Alright guys, welcome back. Um, this is part two of my interview with Staff Sergeant Tanisha B. So if you haven't checked out part one already, be sure to go back and check out that first part. We're going to reference um, a lot of things that we discussed in the first half of the interview. Um, if you haven't done so already, please get up, get out, put your plan in motion and make your vote count people. Now, just like in the first part, there will be profanity and a lot of adult subject matter being dealt with. Um, we touch on a lot of good subjects, like how it felt to deal with the trauma once she did come back home and how that affected her relationships. Uh, she also gave some really good advice to a brand new podcaster like myself, since she's a big celebrity with the Combat Divas podcast. You know, she was schooling me to the game. So <laughs> thank you to Tanisha for that. Um, but yeah, sit back and enjoy, guys. And please go out and vote. So even when you have rank, because you're a sergeant, right? Yeah, staff, um, staff sergeant. Staff so sergeant, like okay. So even as a staff sergeant, like, do you still find that you have to like navigate your way through um, the sexual harassment minefield when it comes to people below you or above you or even on your level? No, me? <sighs> me, I got a lot of mouth. You know, cause people to pay attention to what's going on. Like, who the fuck you think you're talking to? You can't talk to me like that. And because um, my first deployment, it was predominantly uh, white. So it was literally maybe five black people in the whole company. And sometimes it was me and it was me and this other female, me and her were like the same complexion, but she was, you know, some years, maybe like 10 years or so older than me, maybe more and they will mistake us for each other. And I spend most of the deployment saying when they'll call me her name, I'm like, no, I'm the other one. So that's the how I talk other to them. one. I'm, I'm the other one. <laughs> it's just the fact that we were both black and I'm like, I'm the other one. I got bullying, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, or like I had this one situation um, with this sergeant and I was a PFC, so that's like what, like an E3. So it's basically, you don't really make Carly anything, you're just a private. And we were uh, in Kuwait and I was helping clean up the tent, our tent area or whatever. They call it police call. You just picking up trash or whatever. And this sergeant, um, I was collecting trash. He had the trash bag and I put some trash in the trash bag he balls up the bag and just drops it straight in front of me. What, what do you want me to do with that? He was like, take it the fuck out. I was like, <laughs> I looked at him and I was like, oh. And I walked away from him and sat back down on my cot and finished watching my DVD player. And another female, another white female specialist, which is just one rank above me, and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm minding my business. And she was like, your sergeant just gave me, gave, just gave you an order. And I was like, he's not my sergeant. <laughs> you can take out the trash, bye. Like, you're not gonna just talk to me like that. It's just all about what you say to me. I'm like, I'm just, I know it's our rank, but I deserve respect just like you deserve respects. 
but it sounds scary because in that environment like uh rank respect is everything like mm -hmm. just knowing your place like that's what it feels like the military basically entails just know your place no, so for you to say up. yeah for, but for you to say hey i'm still a human being and i still deserve to be treated as such for you to take that stand in that moment what did the aftermath look like after that moment he didn't do it he didn't do anything to me he because left me alone. he knew he left me alone and i felt like in that type of environment where we're all free to walk around with our weapons every single day. Oh wow! With rounds, Locked we had rounds, like so. I'm like, I'm not sure if we had. I don't think we had that in Kuwait. But when we got up to Iraq, the whole entire year we were there, we had two full magazines of bullets and a weapon, no matter what every single day you took it everywhere you took it to eat you took it to the bathroom you took it to go for a walk you took it to the tent to where you watch tv you took it everywhere so i think people's behaviors were a little bit different when you can lose your shit and literally lock and load and kill somebody oh my goodness yeah so if we just solved all the issues to crime in America, like just no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, no, some people don't need that shit. <laughs> no, everybody does not. I'll be like, whoa. Oh, so you mad? I stepped on your shoe. My bad. 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 Sorry. I do have my fire owner's ID. I do okay, have good. that. I do have a couple of guns. Okay. No, I got it like a couple of nine mils or whatever. Oh, okay. um, I have a membership. I have a membership at a at a gun range. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, be please be ready on November third because I would hate for you to have gone through all of that over there, and then come back here <laughs> to some BS. And my uh, my mom, I had my mom come out here to to stay with me because she lives in the city, so she's still registered to vote in the city so I might encourage her to do um, take her next week to do some uh, early voting Okay. because I do not want to be nowhere in the city limits on November 3rd my commander your commander in chief your commander in chief <laughs> I'm sorry and I'm, I'm not sorry. allowed to say no bad words you can't say no bad words about that right. man no bad words no bad words but, no bad words. but if he if he remains um, if they select him because I don't think he's he's never been elected but if he's selected to be um, to hold that office again no I don't want to be in the city I was never I, I was never into weapons even though I grew up in Inglewood that's another thing that I wanted to talk about so you grew up in the projects right <laughs> yep Born which project right. which project Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells okay so as a homebred Ida B. Wells girl mm -hmm. you decided to say hey this isn't enough pain and trauma for, for my everyday life. Like, <laughs> let me uh, let, let me go and go overseas. But I do understand what you were saying as far as the process of, uh, hey, you know what? I do need to pay for school. It was it was crazy. But honestly, even growing up in the Ida B. Wells, my mom was pretty strict. 
And thankfully, I'm like, I thank her for it, you know, in my adult life, thankfully that I was sheltered because I used to get picked on a lot. Oh, you don't get a chance to get outside. Your mama won't let you go here. Your mama won't let you go there. And I got older and I was grateful. My mom kept a firm hand on me because it was just her. My mom kept a firm hand on me because it was just her. My mom not having me exposed to the environment because it was a lot of things that happened in my neighborhood that I didn't have to witness. Heard about it later, but mm-hmm. until, you know, now people get killed alongside of you. That was some shit I experienced, I experienced in the military, but not at home. Gunshots, yeah, I've seen drive-bys. I've seen you know, people with guns and stuff like that, but nothing prepared me for going to war. I think going to war and coming back home um, allowed me to deal with stuff at home better, I think. So you came from Chicago in the projects. Mom kind of kept you protected from all of the bad stuff, but then you go right in, you go out of the frying pan into the fire. (laughs) Yeah, like wow. <laughs> so you you come from over there, you've been through the ringer, you've done it all, you've seen it all. Mm-hmm. Now you come back home. So the experiences that you've been through and that you want to talk about people at home, you it's like they don't understand you. It's like now they look the same, like they look the same to me, but I look different to them. Mm. Like my behavior is different. I'm not the the Tanisha they knew prior to me going overseas and coming back home. I'm just, I'm not that girl anymore. So I kind of became more closer with the ones I went to war with because I can relate to them. So when I came back home, I was bombarded with questions like, oh my God, how many people did you kill? And it's like, oh my God. (laughs) I would never. (laughs) Like who asks people that? That's like asking a firefighter, like, oh my God, so how many burnt bodies have you seen? Like, it's just wild. It's it's a wild question to ask anybody. How many kills? This is not a game. This is not Call of Duty. This is not your war movie. This is not Black Hawk Down. This is not, it changed how people relate to me when I got back home, it changed how I relate to them. Like my mom, she was like, it was like I was there with you and I understand. I was like, you don't understand anything. You just know from your perspective of, I'm scared for their lives because my babies are overseas, but you don't know what it was like for us being there. So just even talking to your loved ones about it is hard. It took me years to even talk about a lot of the stuff. I'm like, my mom didn't know until about a year and a half ago, the trauma that I went through almost 15, about 15 years ago. And she was like, I never knew that. And I was like, I never talked about it. And you carried that alone or you carried that with your combat buddies. Some of them didn't even know. And it wasn't until I had kind of like a small little episode, like a, like a, like a breakdown or whatever at work. And I left work and I went straight to the VA and like talked to, um, like a mental health, uh, person and feeling like suicidal ideations 
and talking to then I, that was my first time talking like full on talking about the trauma that I experienced when I was there that one event and I never got into like full on details but it was the first time I really spoke full on about those details and it was rough went been going through counseling because it wasn't up until like a year ago that I stopped blaming myself for what happened to me Yes. And this was 15 years ago. And I just stopped blaming myself for what happened to me, thinking like, had I not, you know, said this, or had I not been here, had I not drank this, and had I not whatever, it was my fault. I felt like it was my fault. I was like me trying to wrap my brain around why it happened. And since I couldn't understand why it happened, I twisted around to say it was my fault. Yeah. Um, as anytime you're a victim of any type of trauma, you want to feel like there was some way to control um, or prevent this from happening to you. Mm-hmm. When at the end of the day, it's just not. And it's, it's very unfair to blame yourself for, you know, for somebody else's crappy decisions mm-hmm. and actions. So you carrying that trauma and those things happening to you over there. Are those some of the things that you might speak in detail on in your book? Um, yes. I think I've spoken on the, the sexual trauma. So I talked about it the, the best way I could explain it for my own, yeah. you know, for my own comfort level. Yeah. And then I realized like after a lot of, you know, self-reflection, that what happened to me and how that situation affect affected certain relationships and my relationship to sex. When I came back from my first deployment, being um, my high school boyfriend, and I came back and I was masking. I was wearing a mask. I was masking my trauma and trying to feel in control by being excessively active sexually. Like, and I was like, at first I was like, man, what was my problem? Like, man, I was like a little, I thought I was just being like, oh, like a little horn dog. And I just wanted to just do it all the time. But then you you sit with it and you reflect all the way back. It, I reflect all the way back to those years. And I was like, Oh my God, I was traumatized. <laughs> like I, I needed to feel like I was in control and that was me controlling. I'm like, I think I apologized to him years later. Like, I'm so sorry if you felt like, like I was using you <laughs> as like a piece of meat. <laughs> he like, I mean, hell, I didn't mind, but it was like- <laughs> They rarely do. <laughs> like, I mean, I didn't mind. It was like, it was, he was like, <laughs> clutching like you know clutching himself clutching like, his purse. like oh my like did she just use me I feel so used and I didn't know that that was part of my trauma yeah trying to feel in control of something because I felt in some moment while I was out of control and I couldn't do anything did the book help you heal it did help get some stuff out it helped me remember a lot of shit that I suppressed. I'm like, a lot of stuff. I was like, man, I forgot all about this. And I forgot all about that. And I forget. When my friend, she came to me about the podcast, I was like, yes, this is it. 
me I get a chance to say whatever I want talk about whatever I want and be as obnoxious be as funny be as just just be myself and I was like I finally get a chance to use the degree that almost took my life <laughs> and you got your degree in communications I got my degree in communications. I got my bachelor's degree. I was like, I can't just not finish. I'm like, this is the whole reason why I almost died several fucking times. I can't just not get an education. Otherwise, what was it, what was it all for if I don't? I'm like, my deployment slowed up the process of how long it took me to finish. You spent 11 years trying to get a four-year degree, but it kept getting halted oh, wait, because you're deployed. How long? Because I, I felt like I was a professional student after a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started 2000. I started in 2005. Yeah, so I missed about two years. So if you combine it, it took me six years to get took six years to get a four year degree. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, when I I'm like because I break it down and space it out, I was like, okay, it took about it took about six years. And when I was pregnant, I think I felt like a whole semester because I kept falling asleep. And I would leave in the middle of the class to get food. So, yeah. Oh, but you know what? That's just a show of your resiliency. I mean, number one, your first day out, you experience what you experience with, you know, and, and just witnessing that traumatic event day, basically day one. And then you just constantly built up a resiliency. Now, granted, there were points along the way where you had to suppress certain things and deal with certain traumas in a way. Um, in a way that I feel like people like us on the other side really could never truly understand. Um, personally, I do have things in my life where I can completely relate to the way that you have dealt with your trauma. Um, and I admire you for saying, I can just be belligerent and I can just speak whatever <laughs> is on my mind. Because yes. even though I am recording my own podcast, I do not feel like I'm there yet. <laughs> but hopefully I'll get there one day. And I'm working on it, so. I got a question for you. Uh-oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what um, what made you start your podcast? Um, what made me start my podcast was basically, so for the last few years, I've been feeling like I've had so many different experiences in my life. At one point, I spoke on being a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I've been through different things with family, with death, with grief, with trauma. Um, not just with like death in my families, but with my son, I went through a lot of traumatic things. My son went through a lot of trauma early in his life. And I've un recently undergone a personal trauma in my life that I'm probably not able to speak on at the moment. But I am going through my healing process from that. and. Over the last few years, I just really felt strongly that I really want to write a book about the different things that I've been through in my life, but I don't feel like I have that, you know, that experience that mm, to say, yes, I have a voice that I can like use to put on paper because I originally wanted to write a book. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know what? I feel like I still need to live a little bit more life. There's a lot of things that happened in 2020. Mm -hmm on the wide scale and personal level. And once these things happened and I began to like understand certain things about myself and about life in general, I felt like the light bulb went out and said, bam, 
here's that moment, that aha moment that I was looking for to say, now I feel a lot of things in life kind of culminating and coming together where I feel like I have a perspective that I formed that I want to share with people. And I want to like learn more from other people to help me constantly grow on my journey. Trust and believe when you really, you know, dive into this uh, podcast world, that that's going to be part of your, that's a part of your healing. This, this will be a part of your healing. You will find yourself opening yourself up more and don't be, don't feel like, oh, I haven't lived enough life. You've lived plenty to have something to say and somebody can relate to just about anything that you have been through. Yeah. And you may think something that you've been through was minimal and it could be game changing for somebody else. Learn you could be like, that. oh, Learn like that, that thing that sometimes some stuff I'd be like, it'd be dismissive. I'm like that little thing. And it could be huge to somebody else. I remember when we were, when we were in high school and you had lost your mom, like yeah. that was huge because I remember you was talking to me about it and I was, and I felt terrible because I was like, no, everything's going to be okay. And it wasn't. And I felt horrible. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't know. And I was like, I'm just being so optimistic. I'm not so optimistic anymore. I'm more. Oh like, my goodness, <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> not optimistic anymore. I'm probably like, if anything, what, what more pessimist, what's that? Pessimist or realist. Yeah, yeah. You, when you see what you see, you have to be. But I also remember being in that headspace and having people like you who I really did, like, I, I felt such a responsibility to people around me, especially people like you in the role that you played in my development of my psyche in high school. Like, we were, like, pretty much two peas in a pod. Like, we think the same. Like, you were a lot more outspoken than I was. But, like, we basically, like, had the same brave lengths. So... <laughs> So I, I kind of felt the responsibility to you being so positive to me to be strong. So when you said everything's gonna be okay, I, I was just really trying really hard to receive it and say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, thanks. And a lot of people around me kind of took that as, oh gee, you're taking this great. Like your mom is dead and you're taking this like a champ. And it's like, yeah, I am. Thank you. <laughs> right? Crying on the inside. You're like, you're like oh, yeah. I'm a rock. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. so strong. Just exploding on the inside. And, yeah. and I'm like, I knew, I knew how you felt in that moment when I was going through when I lost my dad. Yeah. I lost my dad when I was 26. And so he passed away from, from cancer. They gave him two years. He made it five. Okay. And, but going through that, I'm like, my, yeah, like, I, I watched him pass away. And I was like, I wasn't fine, but I looked like I was fine. Yeah. I was like, I'm fine. Everybody else is breaking down. I'm like. That's exactly it, how it, I handled it, it with my mom and then my brother and. That's exactly how I handled it. Like, just, I just sat there. It was like a, you almost remove yourself from your body when you see everybody else breaking down. Wait, no, your brother passed. Craig is still around, still his same jubilant, annoying self. So, <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, my my other brother, he passed. Like, was it? It was less than a year after my mom passed. Like, I graduated high school. 
and then probably like a few months later like he was gone so yeah like and, and like i even like got super active with like planning funerals of like and it was like one after another then my dad and my uncle and then it was just like so i would make the obituaries and help like and that was a part of me just like staying busy and not internalizing my grief and like you said starting this podcast like even in this conversation in itself it's just it, it it really shakes a lot of things loose like just like you said i've already experienced that get it all out and then just you know and, and find some fine humor in it yeah you know? yeah because a lot of stuff we've been like me and my co-host we talk shit and like shit get dark but yeah. it's funny i'm like holy like that's probably that's one of our passages in our book it gets darker from here I mean, shit, you gotta laugh because you like, have to. Shit. I love dark humor, so I'm definitely gonna be. So- oh, what's the name of the book again? Okay, so it's called the uh, because we we've been back and forth all over with these names. So now we narrowed it down. It's Combat Divas Chronicles, uh, Survival Guide. Wait. <laughs> yes. No. Oop. Nope. I messed it up. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> so it's Combat Divas Chronicles. Survival Guide, A Boots to Heels Journey from Trauma to Triumph. Boots to Heels Journey from Triumph. From Trauma to Triumph. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that title says it all. Excuse me. When do you take your exit? Your... Oh, when I get my 20-year letter? Shoot. Oh, 20 years? You're I'm locked in for 20? Okay. I'm gonna do my yeah, my contract ends in two years. So twenty. I'll be retiring at thirty-seven. Okay. Wait, so uh that's actually a good deal. Like granted, like you got a lot of crap that's been, you know, <laughs> thrown in on you after leaving. But man, thirty seven years old retired, that sounds yeah. pretty good. But awesome. I mean shit, they ain't gonna try to pay me until I'm like damn near sixty. Oh, that's I ain't gonna get that I ain't gonna get that retirement money yet. So what's next for you then? Whew. Um, we gonna keep working on this. Um, keep working on this podcast, and we breaking in at at a good time. But so, okay, so that's what you guys got coming up next. You got your book. The podcast is about to blow up because you guys really found your groove. You found your stride. It's a great time. It gives you a lot of perspective on things from the combat side. And you guys don't just talk about combat. You talk about everything under the moon, like. Yes. The office like, I was seeing the episode kids. was pretty lit, so. <laughs> we had one of the things, we was like, we do not like our kids. They was like. <gasps> <laughs> it was like, sometimes I don't like my kid. Yeah, that shit is good, <laughs> hey, I ain't no bad mama. I don't always like my kid. My kid don't always like me. Children are not very likable by nature, so. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes I'm like, so how is it that they can dislike us but we can't dislike them. Well, we gotta love them because That's they came true. out of us. Sometimes I just don't like you. Sometimes I love you. I just don't like you right now. You know my favorite person right now. Oh, and I can say that. That dark humor, like I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more of that in the book. Uh, all right, let me see if I can get this. Combat Diva Chronicles: Survival Guide, A Boots to Heels Journey, Journey from Trauma to Triumph. Tanisha, thank you so much for joining me. This has been beyond a pleasure. We definitely have to like just link up sometime. 
is there anything else you want us to know about combat divas you got the book did you have like a message that you want to like just get out there like say hey this is my trauma this is what i've been through but these are my hopes for the future any type of positivity you might want to end it on or (laughs) (laughs) no um what i can say is you know even when you feel like you know giving up you know just don't keep going it's not as bad as you may think it is um you know i say bad times don't last always you just have to sometimes change your mind change your perspective and and push through think positive because people underestimate uh the power of positive thinking so i would say just stay stay positive and just keep pushing that's all i mean i i feel like i probably all the other big big positive things will come later on once I'm off but yeah that's that's what I got just stay positive and just think positive again all right best of luck to you best of luck to your wonderful partner you guys are doing an awesome job over there keep it up thank you All right, that's it. That wraps up part two of our two-part interview. Um, Before I let you go, I want to make a really quick correction. My late, great, dear brother, uh, LeVar Reed, he passed in the summer of 2004. Um, Sometimes when I'm doing a quick recall, I will get my timelines just a little bit sped up or slowed down um, without taking the time to properly recall. So um, rest in peace to my dear brother, LeVar Reed. He passed in August of 2004. Um, thank you so much to Staff Sergeant Tanisha B for her candor, for her encouragement, and most importantly, for her service. Um, don't forget to check out the Combat Divas podcast. They were just recently ranked number two, the number two veteran hosted podcast in the nation by Podcast Magazine. So be sure to check them out. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Power Perspective Pod. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to drop them. And if you want to ever reach out, if you want to tell your story, you want a chance to share your story or just to share an experience with me to share with my audience. So if you just want to email me about something that you've learned or any life lessons that you have, any questions that you have, feel free to email me at Power Perspective Pod at gmail.com all right thank you once again for listening and don't forget live your journey learn your truth never forget the power of perspective